You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Fear B Mac is here. Do you, do you want to open the show? <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, welcome to episode seven of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. <laughs> and Stefan joined by Brendan McCarthy. B Mac, uh, you are fired up this morning. What's going on? Well, man, I've just been so impressed with with the backup goalies. Man, it's been a backup goalie showdown. Like, who would have expected this? Who would have expected this final four back in February? At least, I mean. Tampa, I guess, would have been one, but geez, man. Like, who would have thought Thatcher Demko, Thomas Grice, and who am I missing? Robin Leonard would just do you, do you appear in my, clutch moments do you when they're about just, Michael Hutchinson. <laughs> Michael Hutchinson. <laughs> Michael Hutchinson, yeah, like, the guy who got chased out of Toronto. Like, this guy, he was basically like this, you know, that mob in The Simpsons where they're all carrying yeah. forks and like torches and they're like walking down the street. Like, that was the city of Toronto walking down young street to chase this guy out of town. And now he's getting big wins in the second round of the playoffs for Colorado. Obviously it didn't pan out in the long run as uh, Dallas ends up squeezing that one out in game seven, but man, oh man, was I hoping for Maple Leafs fans sanity that <laughs> they just, that Colorado got eliminated, and shut down because they could not take another performance of a guy that they traded away, who turns out to be a postseason stud. It's too like I don't want to say it's too bad. I mean, like I'm tipping my cap, to, I'm tipping my cap to the Islanders and the and the Stars. But on paper, it's like the Avs should have advanced. They they were lights out, led by McKinnon all playoffs. And then you have the Flyers, who again on paper are loaded. But I was looking at the the box score of Game Seven on the Flyers: Couturier, Voracek, and Giroux. Kenny were combined minus six. That's pretty chilly. Minus six, too chilly for a line of your top players like that. And this has been the story that we've rehashed quite a few times throughout the playoffs for the Flyers is that their big guns weren't showing up. Really the only guy that had consistency and that he really wasn't consistent in the second end of that series against the Islanders was Voracek. Outside of that, like we highlighted JVR getting healthy scratched, uh, Giroux, Couturier, Konechny, whoever you want to point out on the front end, Mm-hmm. wasn't putting up the same production that they were in either that weird qualifying round, whatever the hell you want to call it, those three games against Boston, uh, Tampa Bay, and who, who was the third team? Was it the Capitals? 
Yes. I can't even remember. I can't yeah. even remember that far back. I'm putting myself in a mental pretzel right now. Those rounds, they, 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 they go three and oh, they're, they're hot. They looked great in the first round and then just laid a complete egg against the aisles. Uh, this was a team that a lot of people were picking as the Stanley cup favorites after the way they looked coming out of in the round robin long break. Yeah. And in the round robin as well, but no, it, I, again, and, and we, we've been harping on it all, all, all uh, playoffs and, and Barry trots and what he was able to do with the capitals. And, you know, they're not, they're not a flashy team. The Islanders, but they got will, man. We, we always heard that narrative all year with the Leafs. They, they have skill, but they don't have will. And the Islanders are, are just a, a scrappy, relentless team. And okay, it's, but it's showing. So at one point though, do we stop looking at teams on paper and just say, this is a team hmm. that's built to win in the playoffs. Cause the Leafs are a better team on paper. That's a good point. The majority of these teams. But the Isles, like, they are pretty to look at. I mean, former Maple Leafs, big shout-out to Leo Komarov and Matt Martin, who are heading to the Eastern Conference Finals. They don't play Huge. a flashy brand of hockey. Like, we've talked about it before, very similar to the Jackets style, where they just park the bus in front of the net, protect the house, rely on their goaltender to be able to make the save with them keeping the shots to the outside. It's not fun to watch. It's very reminiscent of those early 2000s Devils teams who Lou Lamorello was also the GM of, but it's effective. It's a style that's all the players have bought into. They're blocking shots. They're taking the body. They aren't trying to get overly flashy, and they just pounce when they have their opportunity on the counterattack, and they've been able to capitalize. It's a winning brand in the postseason that's been proven time and time again. It's, it's hard, and it's a, it's a good point you bring up because, you know, look no further than the stars. It's this Kibaranta kid comes in and scores a hat trick. And he was a healthy scratch until then. It's like, do you, you, you know, you can preview this, the game all you want. You know, obviously the, going into the, the Stars and Avs game seven was all about McKinnon and Rantanen. And, you know, you kind of just neglect teams that aren't really flashy. But it's like, well, you know, you kind of pay attention to that during the regular season, you know, for individual stats and what have you. But, no, I think you're right. When it comes down to the playoffs, it's, it's really just who wants it. It's not, it's not skill or anything. Like, look, look at the Flyers. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a buy-in situation. And obviously the Isles have bought in. Well, at this point, everybody's bought in. Uh, yeah. I would expect that the Lightning are the heavy favorites coming in against the Isles, or they should be. They've been waiting they, a while, man. They have been knocking They've been on waiting the door. They've been knocking on the door of this Eastern Conference final for the last couple of seasons and really have had disappointing outcomes over the last couple of seasons we highlighted in the last episode how the Lightning are, because, are about to be that team that's going to be the Capitals of old. If they can't figure out a way to make it to the cup final, at least, I mean, the Easter Conference final is nothing to you know shake your head at, but the expectation for this team over the last couple seasons, particularly coming in out of the preseason, has been that they were the Stanley Cup favorites to win the whole thing. I'm not Absolutely. Even just talking about the Eastern Conference. I'm not talking about the best team in the Atlantic Division. That's been pretty much a write-off for them that they've been able to accomplish that. I mean, 129 points just two seasons ago. That is an incredible run for them. But they have to be able to push past the next level. And I think they're going to be able to do it this year when you look at the way that Victor Hedman's playing, when you look at the way that Nikita Kucherov has come Without up. Without Stamkos, too. Yeah. Well, that's a no surprise. I mean, this guy seems to be have the injury bug more than any other star player in the league at this point. Like I'm more surprised to be honest when I see him in the lineup for a playoff game than I am when I see him outside yeah. of it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it, it's kind of funny how 
out of the four remaining teams, Tampa Bay, you know, probably has the, the worst goalie tandem. Like they got Curtis McElhaney, also a former Leaf, uh, in they for relief if necessary. So that's really the only, I mean, God forbid, if Vasilevsky goes down, that's the only shot I think New York has. But, you know, they're, they're going to have to ride on Vasilevsky. But the, the, other, the other three teams have, like, seem to have a fixed goalie tandem, which has been their saving grace. Yeah. When I look at the other series, I, you touched on it a little bit earlier, like the surprise that Dallas was able to pull it out against Colorado. I mean, I was in the camp as well that I thought Colorado were the heavy favorites coming into that series with the way that they were steamrolling yeah. everybody early on. McKinnon making the case that he's one of the best. I mean, McDavid is the best probably. Everybody's got the bias right now because he's McKinnon's still playing, but you've seen what he's been able to do on the ice. They were getting production out of their sort of second-tier guys as, as Nazem Kadri was up there and you know the playoff league and – or the playoff lead rather in points they were getting contributions all over the place and dallas was able to put a stranglehold on the series at three to one and then close it out in game seven i mean i've been so impressed with this stars team uh, i think the addition we highlighted in prior podcasts of Corey perry of joe pavelski just a couple older veteran players who have been there before i think pavelski has been instrumental in what Dallas has been able to do this postseason and kudos to them. They're going to have a tough matchup though, against a really difficult team to play the Vegas golden Knights. Just to go back to that McKinnon McDavid, cause it's been bugging me all week because people are trying to compare the two and, and say, which is who is better. And it's kind of hard to do that when, when McDavid is not in the postseason. I think it's the difference, like who's better statistically and who's more valuable. Yeah. And obviously statistically it's McDavid. And valuable, I, I, valuable, I'd say McKinnon, man. I know, I know the easy out is probably McDavid, but I mean, again, look where, I mean, obviously the abs are eliminated now, but you know, I don't see, I didn't see Edmonton making a deep run this year. And when you say you valuable, know? I mean, I think part of what you have to bring into the conversation is the cap it. And what's yeah. McKinnon sitting at 6.5 million. That is a basement bargain oh my for, God, for yes. this guy right now. And it also has the double effect of keeping down the cap hit while Colorado signs its other players. Like what Rantanen sign at? $7 million a year? I mean, he's probably an equatable player to Mitch Marner. And I would argue that most neutral NHL fans would take Rantanen over Marner on their team. And he's coming in at, what is that, about $4.5 million less? Hometown discounts. Cap. And that's direct, in direct correlation to the fact that the best player on the team is making $6.5 a year, which is yeah. why they're able to get other players to sign lower. I mean, we've seen this time and time again, whether it's in Boston or whether it's in Tampa Bay. Guys will take the cap hit when you have that internal cap already in place. Well, look at Pasternak, right? Yeah, exactly. Boston making north of six. Boston's yeah. one of those teams where everybody just takes a little bit less for the good of the team. And same thing with Tampa Bay. I mean, obviously there's no state income tax there, but they have the bar at Stamkos and they're like, this is our guy. Nobody's really going to get more than that. And it's able to keep all the contracts down, which really helps on the depth of these teams. Once you get down to the bottom six. Absolutely. And, and also in Vegas too, no state income tax there, but I mean, they got, a, they got a few, <laughs> play, they got a, they got a few players locked up long-term yeah. like stone and Pacioretty, but no, yeah. I, I hear, I hear what Vegas, you're saying. Vegas is unreal with what they've been able to do. Like, I don't know who it was. I was, um, I can't pronounce the guy's last name. I'm going to butcher it. It's like Dom Lucho. 
I, I, I honestly, I can't pronounce his name. He's like, found it out. Good, yeah. He's a really good uh, follow on hockey Twitter though. I'm gonna, okay. I'm going to get roasted here. I, I Were to, you I watching Vegas, <laughs> Vancouver game seven, man? I thought that was a bit of a sleeper. Like, you know, the only big chance was, was Besser. And then Leonard made that fabulous save. But other than yeah. that, the Canucks just didn't show up, man. Yeah. I was doing one of these. Like I was like, my, my eyelids were like closing. And then finally, like something sparked, but geez, after all that, like I was, I was really disappointed for, for Canucks fans. Cause obviously, you know, Canadian bias, only, only team to watch, you know, that had some meaning for us. And it, it's, a, it's a shame how they went out. Cause Demko still played really well. Yeah, you, you played Unreal. Uh, the guy I was thinking about was uh, Dom Luskaisen, I think is how you pronounce his name, but it was the wrong guy anyways. Uh, I was thinking of Dmitry Filipovich. He posted oh, a okay. video the other day of what Mark Stone has been able to do throughout the playoffs and just a couple of his takeaways and how he's been able to transition the puck into offense off of them. If you haven't seen that video, like honestly go to his Twitter account and check it out because – this guy is an elite defender. We've known this for quite some time in Toronto, obviously watching him play a lot when Ottawa is in town to play. the right. But he's taken it to a next level. And this signing by George McPhee is going to pay unreal dividends. This guy's going to be wearing the C for the Vegas Golden Knights, I think almost undoubtedly. And I would be shocked if he doesn't win a couple Selkies by the end of his career. I know it's usually a, that's usually an award that's reserved for center centermen because it's tough to win it if you can't be about 55 60 percent on your face-offs and go in and that's the most important part of establishing yourself in the defensive zone is winning the draw so that's why guys like bergeron or kopitar or ryan o'reilly have been the guys who have won it over the last couple of years but my goodness man like you watch this guy play he just back checks quick little stick neutral zone he's incredible as well man yeah puts his stick down blocks passing lanes and then quickly transitions there was one against the canucks the other night where he was at like the opposing blue line sort of pivoted backwards i don't know who tried to drop his stick yeah puts his stick down blocks it and then throws a backhander around the canucks player deeks around him it was right back into the offensive zone i was like oh my god dude like but you didn't even notice it like i mean defender yeah, I like. I didn't even notice that on, on the live look, and then they, the Sportsnet showed the replay. I was like, "Come on!" Like, yeah, it's unreal. Like to make that defensive play and then still like add the flashiness offense he has. Like, it's like, yeah, the v- Vegas struck gold here. I'm so glad they got him out of Ottawa. Yeah, and it's all shot like, out to our colleague Ross Levitan. <laughs> yeah, Ross getting a lot of play on the pod. Um, yes, yeah, so they did the same thing with Patcheretti. I mean, the captain of the Canucks and. They're able to trade, or not the Canucks, the captain of the Canadians, rather. They're able to trade and bring him in as just not, he doesn't have to be the, the number one guy there. They have a number of guys and they sort of do it by committee. There's less pressure in the market in Vegas than there is in a big Canadian market like Montreal. And he's thrived as well, playing in that role, like just quietly scoring goals on the power play. Like, he, he, like we said, when you surround yourself with other talented players like Stone and Carlson, and when you have sort of the win by committee attitude that the Knights have where they're for sure rolling three lines a night. It makes it, it takes a lot of the pressure off of players like that. And I think that McPhee has done a masterful job of bringing in proven veteran players and proven veteran goal scorers from other clubs to solidify his team into what should be a perennial contender for the next at least two, three, four years. Did you see uh, 
Twitter just light up Leafs Nation past uh, 24 hours with Tavares. Four playoff series for the Islanders since his departure. Zero for the Leafs. Like, you know, he must be, like, JT must be kind of, I don't know if he's sulking. Like, I'd, I still would rather have Tavares on my team. Yeah. But, you know, it's got to be kind of weighing on him a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I mean, I hate that, though. When everybody's like, oh, the former team is doing it. Like, we're so much better off without them. It's like, don't be ridiculous. Yeah. They're not a better team. The Islanders are not a better team now than they would be if John Tavares was on the roster. And even to suggest that is, like, it's yeah. just totally ridiculous. Like, I'm gonna, like, I'd rather Tavares and Anders Lee, like, any day of the week. Yeah, it was just <laughs> – it's like, come on, man. Like, this is, like, a guy who got your franchise, who led your franchise for seven years. I understand why they're salty that you left. Yeah. Like my goodness, and kept their franchise afloat. Really, yeah. They they couldn't put a they couldn't put a winning team on the ice. Like how many no. times did the Isles went go to the playoffs while Tavares was there? One one year, I think they had one one berth. I think one time in the whole time that he was there. And like obviously now they've built their team in the Lou Lamorello style. And like we said, it's proven to win in the postseason. But just don't don't even bring that crap to my doorstep. It makes me so annoyed when I see everybody <laughs> like, oh, we're so much better off with them. It's like shut up. No, you're not. Uh, this is the perfect time, though, to get into the rumor mill. This story is totally bogus. What you heard was just an ugly rumor. And whoever started it should be ashamed of himself. Amen. Told you, spill. All right, well, we pick up where we left off last week, pretty much. Um, Frederick Anderson on the trading block. I mean, the rumors continue. Uh, he popped up on Frank Saravelli's trade bait board, which we'll get into our biggest surprises from that in just a little bit here. Um, to advance the story, basically Kyle Dubas spoke to Frederick Anderson earlier this week to tell the goaltender, basically like this is what Elliot Friedman was reporting that Dubas is not actively shopping Frederick Anderson, but that he is getting calls from other teams about him and whether or not Toronto would deal him. What do you make of that? It's keeping it's keeping us on not, our toes. Not really, again. not really a surprise, right? That other teams would be interested in this goaltender after the regular season numbers that he's put up. Absolutely, and and at reasonable AAV too. Just just actually, no, it's a fixed five mil, I believe, for Andy. Yeah, fixed five so, mil for uh, yeah. just the one more year, and then he one more year UFA. I mean, I know I've been saying before, like that. There's no chance, but if he if he gets if Dubas keeps getting like juicy offers and you know other teams are sweetening the pot with with other you know with other pieces to to package on it's possible man and you know you look at robin robin leonard in, in vegas like the, the leafs technically uh retain like a chunk of his salary in that three three player deal back in um February. The Leafs yeah, were involved they, with it. It was with Chicago and everything. But anyway, yeah, yeah, Leonard they, was with the Leafs for like a couple hours. Yeah, they got like a they got a pick. I think yeah, they got a deal. fifth rounder from Vegas yeah. or something. But uh, that like, you know, Leonard's value is going to go up. I don't know if he's on Sarah Valley's trade bait board, but that's an interesting. Well, he's an not interesting on the trade. He's not on the trade bait board because I believe it was just a one year contract that he signed. So he's going into he's going to be a UFA at the there end we of the go as well. So I think that would be I think that would be an excellent ad. Like Yeah, but come on, man. Like I, I, I agree with you. And uh this actually ties into what James Myrtle was writing about in the athletic, uh, about the possible replacements for 
Frederick Anderson, goalies that could possibly be dealt on the market. He sort of highlighted a number of guys, uh, Kemper in Arizona, Crawford in Chicago, Corpusalo, your boy in Columbus, uh, Anton Hudobin in Dallas, uh, Koskinen, Grice, the goaltender from the Islanders, uh, Matt Murray, basically Jim Rutherford, like just came out and said, we're trading Matt Murray on overdrive. So no surprise to see. <laughs> yeah. um, Markstrom for the no Canucks. Beating around the bush. You feel like they might be looking to deal him based off of what Demko has been able to deal to been able to do. And with the expansion draft coming up, they're likely not going to be able to keep both those guys because they wouldn't be able to protect both of them. And almost inherently Vegas would snap up one of the two. Uh, and then you look at the last three in Robin Leonard, Marc-Andre Fleury and uh, Braden Holpe. So Flurry is for sure, or not Flurry rather. Uh, Leonard, I think, will be sought after by a lot of contenders after the postseason that he's been able to have, and the co- last couple of seasons really, like he reestablished himself in the Islands and, and was able to have a really strong season in with a defensively oriented team in front of him. And everybody's thinking, okay, like that's that's a nice season that you put together, but is it the system or is it the goaltender? Because traditionally his numbers haven't been that great. But mm-hmm. I, like obviously, he's shown this postseason that he's gotten his everything right between the ears. He's focused. He's engaged. He understands what it takes, and he's pushing past what we thought like before might be the ceiling of his career as being like more of like a backup kind of guy to showing that he's a legit, bona fide number one goaltender who has the stones to to win in the playoffs. And that's something that a lot of these other goaltenders haven't been able to do, uh, a la Frederick Anderson. Like, don't want to throw the guy under the bus, but Leonard closed out that series against the Canucks. He was I'm not even sure that he was the best goaltender in the series, but he, he, was, he did what he had to do and got them through to the next round. Would you, would you swap Anderson for Leonard? If I was the Leafs, like, I, probably, I would probably look at it. I think I, the I would, one thing I think I would the one thing you have to be I think the one thing you have, <laughs> I, I, I investigate recency that. bias but no of course Kyle Dubis would be interested the thing that makes me nervous about this goaltender though is after the way that he's playing you know that Toronto isn't going to be the only team that's interested yeah and so when you look yeah. at the price point that he's going to sign at I mean I'm not sure that anybody was trying to give him like a super long deal maybe that might be something that gets the Maple Leafs out of contention if they just want to sort of sign a guy for a short term or a little bit lower cap it i mean it's so difficult to see what the price point's going to be for some of these free agents and if leonard continues to play the way that he's playing and vegas goes on to make the stanley cup finals or then even go on to win the stanley cup finals i mean this guy's going to be very very expensive far more expensive than frederick anderson i would imagine well i mean Pete DeBoer is, is is sitting pretty right now. Whatever the equivalent to the library bar is out west, he's he's been there because <laughs> when you have when you have Flurry backing up Leonard, like it's come on, man. I I I have Vegas winning winning the whole thing this year, man. I'm Pete just gonna DeBoer, say it. Pete DeBoer is uh, sitting at the bar in the media center up in the media tower at uh, Rogers Center. Yeah, exactly. Rogers oh, place. I forgot too because now everything shifts to Edmonton, right? For the yeah. conference final in Stanley Cup. Yeah, maybe we're so no, no more Toronto hockey. Maybe we're gonna have to find another bar then in Edmonton. Yeah, we'll find out. It's probably something. Said. It's probably something similarly. <laughs> the library bar? I don't know. This, do they have a lot of libraries in Edmonton? They might. I know. Like they, <laughs> they must be staying in. Like I think they have a Fairmont 
type but, hotel. Yeah, yeah. There. Of, of course they have like a nice hotel, like right downtown. Like all the players probably stayed like right there. Uh, the accommodations from what I've heard have been excellent in both bubbles. Oh the yeah. Been, the players have been really happy with it. So uh, we poke fun at the West, like obviously living in Toronto, they do the same to us. But when you, when you look at, I just think that you have to be careful when you are talking about a replacement for a goaltender and you have to understand that you have one already locked up. It's like kind of like quitting your job before you have a new job. If you're trying to move on from a goaltender like Anderson before you have a viable replacement. And when you look at the list of guys that could be potentially up, I mean, you like what you saw of Corpus Allo in the postseason, but a much smaller sample size, less proven. Can you do that over 55, 60 games? And then being that tired heading into the postseason, can they have the same success? Oh, excuse me. When you look at Grice out of the Island, I mean, it's going to be the knock always about goaltender there. Is that it's, is it the system or is it him? Uh, when you look at Holtby or Murray, uh, proven guys who have won cups in recent memory, but have really been on the downturn since then. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is a guy who I think will also be fairly sought after. And if that's assuming that Vegas signs Leonard, who I think they would sure love to do that and could probably get done for a similar cap hit to the flower. I think 7.5 would probably get done for that goaltender. And so then you expect that the Knights would probably move on from him. And at two years left to 7.5 for Marc-Andre Fleury, you got to feel like that would be enticing for a lot of GMs as long as the price point wasn't too high and understanding that Vegas is up against the cap. So they're going to have to ship him out and maybe you can get him for a little bit cheaper than you normally would just to take it off their books. System or not though, Kenny, it's like ultimately these B goalies, if you will, are closing out pivotal games, game sevens, like Grace hours before puck drop is yeah, you got the nod. Like you're starting. Okay. Gets a freaking shutout. Yeah. And then Leonard, I, I mean, that obviously that was a save of the playoffs when he robbed Besser. It's like Anderson can't close. So that's why I'm like, you know what? Maybe you do have to do a straight swap. Well, you just have to find a partner. I think that's, yeah. the, that's the biggest thing whenever you're trying to like swap a goaltender or swap like that. It's like you have to find somebody who's willing to pay the price. I mean, he's not super high on the list. Like on, on Saravelli's list, he's number 19. The other Maple Leaf on the list is Andreas Janssen, who we've also talked about a fair amount as being a piece that we expect probably to get moved or is at least at this point is the most likely player on the active roster to get shipped out. Would, would you agree with that? I'd agree with that. That he's probably the next the expendable most... after Kapanen for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, a couple of surprises on this list though. Uh, the biggest one for me uh, at number five, they Frank has Patrick line, which they were talking about on overdrive. And they were like, Frank Saravelli is just chucking grenades into the free agent market by listing some of these guys. I mean, line A at five, um, OEL out of Arizona at number four. I mean, that guy has term too. What is his contract? He's got seven years left, I think, at eight and a half million. Like, and I see JBR at number two. That guy. Yeah, he, also, yeah. he also has term. Yeah, that's going to be a problem though, I think, for the Flyers. Like you can use him as trade bait, but you're going to have to retain some salary or something because his performance is not even close to the $7 million contract that they signed. And yeah, he can bang some in around the net on the power play. He'll get you 25 yeah. goals like pretty regularly season. But $7 million is too rich for a winger who's going to get you 20 goals. And, the, and, the, and the it's not that like... are going to be on the power play. Yeah, and, and you can't really use the excuse of like, you know, he's, you know, 
acclimating to a new team and a new environment. It's like, no, like this is a team that drafted him. And, yeah. you know, even when he came back, there were still some lingering guys um, that were his teammates in 20, from 2010 to 2012 when he was with the Flyers originally. So I don't know what, what the hell happened with JVR, especially in the playoffs, man. That was a, yeah, that was a he, brutal performance. No, he didn't play well. And I don't know if it's just, you know, he's getting into his 30s now and maybe the legs are slowing down a little bit. He wasn't necessarily a guy who was known for his speed. He wasn't like no. an overly speedy guy. It's like he's just kind of the guy that goes and parks it in front of the net. Power forward. And yeah, exactly. Power <laughs> forward. But he, for that matter, he wasn't overly physical either. So no. obviously the Flyers have liked this guy. They drafted him, as you, as you brought up. And they brought him back trying to sort of solidify and get probably, I'd say, about 30. The expectation was they were going to get 30 goals a year over the duration of this contract. But here we are. He's getting healthy scratched in the playoffs. The Flyers get eliminated by the Islanders in large part due to the big guy's lack of production, JVR on the forefront of that. Now he's getting dangled out as potential trade bait. An interesting one that, um, that stuck with me, Kenny, was Vince Dunn. He's an RFA now and it's uh i think he's just wrapping up his, his elc because he's just making under 800k and i know he's a left shot we always talk about the right shot d and you know not just the leaves everybody would would salivate at that but i think dunn would be an interesting piece too that the leafs may look in but of course being an rfa to the team st louis still has some control over that but that that would be kind of interesting also a toronto native as well which kind of adds to it but and of course, Dougie Hamilton. But we've been we've been talking about that for for years. Yeah, Hamilton is he's he's had some great years in Carolina, yeah. like recently. Like he was in the talk this year about being at least in like the Norris Trophy conversation. Like the way that he was playing. I mean, it's a little difficult to do that. Like obviously, it tailed off a little bit at the end of the year, but mid season he was right in that conversation. And when you look when you look at Carolina's decor, I think the biggest thing that stifles him for that is that they do it by committee, right? They just roll out basically all three pairings. They're pretty well balanced. So one year left on his deal, uh, affordable cap hit, but it would take a lot to pry him out of Carolina, I think. I think they'd be looking for probably like some pretty significant return. And I don't know if Dubis really wants to make a deal for a guy who only has one year left. That's the biggest hindrance because you're going to have to resign this guy and it's probably going to be at a higher cap hit than the 575 we saw the way that Barry turned out when we dished for him or when the Leafs dished for him, rather. And it was just on the short term. It just didn't work out. The nice thing about that is that you're not tied up to a big deal. The bad thing about that is that you gave up assets and then the guy walks for nothing, which I think likely would be the case for Hamilton if he were to go to Toronto. We know CeCe's gone. Like I, I don't see the <laughs> yeah. I don't see I don't see the leaves keeping him. But again, like here we are. It's uh, Sunday, September sixth, when we're recording, and you know Dubas already making moves with Kapanen. Do you think? I mean, you know, I think I know we're assuming that Barry's walking, but you know, g- given like uh, given what I saw, like he seemed to really mesh with with the team really well. Do, do you think maybe perhaps he even takes a bit of a hometown discount because it's like. You know, teams aren't going to be like, I want Barry. Like, I think there are willing to pay anything. I think there are teams that will want Barry. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think that a lot of teams will look at the one year in Toronto as being the anomaly, look at his career numbers as being very solid in that position. I think that the Leafs don't necessarily need to overpay for Barry because they already have a defenseman in Morgan Riley who's capable of running their power play. 
A lot of teams don't have that. They don't have a Tyson Berry player from the point who can facilitate that sort of offense for whatever reason. I don't know if it's the big market. I don't know if it was just reacclimation. I don't know if it was the coach who we'll get into in just a moment here that he wasn't able to perform in Toronto, but I, I would, I would be extremely, extremely surprised. Like I think that the percentage that Barry resigns in Toronto would probably be about 5%. Like I don't think it's likely at all. I think that it's time for him to move on. I think it's time for the organization to move on. It was an experiment that didn't necessarily work, which isn't the worst thing in the world for, well, I guess it's like kind of the worst thing in the world for the Maple Leafs is now everybody's talking about the Caudry thing again and what you had to give up to bring this player in. But for him, it's like, and he's going to leave money on the table based off the season that he had. He was due for to get paid coming into this offseason. And now with the flat cap and you look at the season that he just had, everybody's going to point at that and say, show me something better. That's so stupid. You might just have to sign like a one or two year contract somewhere, go play and then try to come out of that and sign the big ticket. That's what I was thinking that like, you know, Dubas might do is just give him a one or two year deal. It's like, look at man, we brought you in here because of your, you know, incredible seasons with Colorado. And this was a down year. Obviously you're, you're, you're coming to Ontario. You've been living in Colorado your entire life. It's an adjust. That's an adjustment. I get it. Yeah. Obviously it didn't, he wasn't, you know, getting along well with Babcock, you know, got his legs under him once Keith manned the bench. Maybe they do give him a second shot. As you said, it's an, it's an anom- anomaly. And that Kadri trade, I would still take that trade any day. That's a phenomenal yeah, trade. Yeah. And, I, and Kadri, obviously, you. people are Not forgetting. what we know now. No, yeah, but it's like he was, he was dealt because of his antics in the playoffs, back-to-back years. Yeah. That's and like was, working. And he was dealt because you have John Tavares and Austin Matthews in front of him, and he was miscast as the third-line center. Like you've seen what he's been able to do in the C2 position in Colorado. Yeah. Like he was, quite frankly, it's like you just can't have – 25 million bucks tied up at the center ice position or more than 25 million bucks tied up in one position on the ice. And for that reason, he was expendable. In addition to the fact that you know that you could get something in return. Woo! What is up devil's fans? It's your boy, Neil Bell piano. Make sure you check out the Devil's State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Ham or Porkroll to how much we hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo! I want to get back to what you were talking, like a guy that you just brought up, though, the former coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Bike Mapcock. Great Bike, guy. Bike Mapcock. Some rumors flying around with this guy that he could be the next coach of the Washington Capitals. And this is something that James Myrtle floated a little while back on Twitter when the they gassed Reardon as their coach. It was like, obviously, they're going to be looking for a veteran guy as a replacement. Uh, Gerard Gallant also interviewing for the job. And no surprises there after seeing what he was – I thought he had some effective seasons – in Florida and then obviously was at the behind the bench for the Vegas Golden Knights and led them to their success over the first couple of seasons. I, I've been so surprised at the way that Gallant has gotten just completely gashed by the organizations. Like you remember when he got fired from the Panthers and they were just like, yeah, 
you're fired like after the game and they're like yeah they left him on the curb yeah they're like there's grab an uber and like get your ass to the airport yeah it's like it's just like jesus christ dude like at least like get this guy a limo <laughs> like, like, like what kind oh, of organization man. are you can you imagine like just like you walk you walk out of your job and they're just like yeah like like if you were like on a business trip yeah your company we'll pay for your cap, you don't worry. yeah your, your company flies you out there you're in like la yeah and like the company's like oh yeah like sorry yeah you're we didn't like the way that you're performing like this is the final straw you're done and they're like yeah we we're not getting your ticket home you just have to like pay your own way home from like Los Angeles. It's a disaster. That like, was, what the yeah, hell are you doing? Joke. What the hell are you doing as an NHL organization doing that? That that was ridiculous. I remember that vividly. I remember that photo. It looked like uh, Gallant was just getting off like a five day bender or something, and paparazzi snapped a shot of him, and he was getting into that cab man with his with his with his suitcase. It's it's stupid, man. That yeah, was it's ridiculous. Not, it's unreal. Yeah, it's like that. I could see him making a comeback over Babcock to answer your question. I don't see Babcock going to the Washington Capitals. Well, it depends on because who the GM game. wants. I mean, I find it interesting because one thing that the GM had said that we talked about earlier was that the culture was lacking right now in Washington. And that's something that they've worked to establish over the last several years was to establish that culture inside the locker room where they were feeling confident and just understood the price that you have to pay, whether it's blocking shots, buying into the system, whatever you want to do, all the cliches. He suggested that under Reardon, the culture sort of started to lack a little bit and sag. It sort of became to start becoming more of a, the players rule the roost. And that's, what is it? that's a problem that you have when you have a team that wins the cup with a lot of veteran players, like whether it's Kuznetsov, whether it's Ovechkin, whether it's TJ Oshie, whether it's John Carlson, Braden Holpe. I mean, these are veteran guys mm-hmm. who demands a coach who has the same pedigree. Rudin obviously doesn't have the vast amount of NHL experience that Barry Trotz did and is not, not even close to the experience that a coach like Gerard Gallant or Mike Babcock have. So you wonder if either of those guys, I think, would be pretty good fits in that organization. Yeah, it's weird to think, like, are the Caps technically, like, retooling a little bit? Maybe not rebuilding. Like, I think the last time they were rebuilding was 04. I think retooling is, is okay. Yeah. Like, they definitely like they're getting older. Like there's no doubt about that. I mean, their best years are behind them. You figure you've got a couple more years of Ovechkin. uh, Got the cup. Yeah. You got the cup. So like, that's fine, but to remain competitive, they're going to have to make changes to the roster to the bottom half of the roster. Like we always talk about on these teams who have been competitive for a long time, their, their guts get ripped out by all the other teams because they can't pay their outside of their core guys. They can't pay the guys who are contributing on their third and fourth lines. So they get picked over, they go sign elsewhere, and you're really stuck with that core group. And in Washington, it's Ovechkin, it's Oshie, it's Tom Wilson, who they have signed up to a long deal. I don't know what John Carlson's contract is at. I think they have him tied up for a little while as well. Uh, Holpe is going to be the the biggest part. They're going to need to figure out what they want to do about the goaltending situation because he hasn't been good for them for the last couple of years, and he's going to try to command, I think, term and a pretty high AAV as an extension. The only way I could see Babcock going to Washington is because, you know, as you said, there's a ton of vets. Obviously, you know, they have the skill and Ovechkin and Backstrom and the whole bit. You know, it's like Steve Nash now going to the Nets. Like, it's an, it's an established group. Steve Nash it's not going like, to the Nets? Can, can we just talk about just, that for a second? Yeah, like, right, man, that's crazy. Zero coaching experience. 
and they're just like chucking him in there. It's like, he's going to be like, all right, Kevin. All right. All right, Kyrie. We're here's what we're going to do. We're going to move the ball around and we're going to try to get a shot off in seven seconds. Yeah. It's going to be like, it, it worked 15 years ago, 20 years ago in Phoenix. So we're bringing Yeah, it and I might sneak it's up gonna... on the floor too and hit that open three. So keep an eye out for me. Yeah. Okay, I'm not in a suit. Yeah, Steve Nash is just going to get be pissed off in the fourth quarter and rip off the suit and hit the court and just sit in the corner to drain the three-pointers. And but after Dan Tony gets gassed, yeah, gonna I, I, him, he's going to get gassed after the Rockets lose to the Lakers, and they're going to have to bring him in as an assistant coach under Steve Nash in Brooklyn. I make that equivalent. I know Nash has never coached at the NBA level, but just a, a – well, now a coach so is Steve Nash. It's, it's Babcock being like, okay. Like, it's not like it's 2015, 16 Leafs where he's fucking rolling. Pardon my French. It's, <laughs> it's not a, like he's rolling rare, out like. That's a rare F-bomb from you. I very rare. That I know. I was. Like, <laughs> I hear you uh, get, get loose, with the, loose with the lips like that. I like it, though. It's not like he's, like, you know, dealing with, like, Sam Carrick and Colin Greening. No, like, it's friggin', Babcock would be it's like, friggin' okay. Alex Ovechkin. Yeah. And that might be a problem, too, because. You know, there was problems with Ovechkin and, and Bruce Boudreaux back in the day. And, you know, perhaps Ovechkin and Babcock would butt heads because obviously Ovechkin is pretty um, adamant on his style of play. Yeah. But again, it'd be like, hey, look, like you're coming to an established winning franchise. Babcock might, might mull that over. Do you remember how horny Mike Babcock was? <laughs> when, when the when the Capitals came into town and they got that sound bit from Ovechkin, who was like, "Yeah, the Leafs like remind us of like us a couple of years back." It's like they just don't know like how they to take know how it to win. the next level. Yeah, they don't or know how to win like yet. And yeah. Babcock was delighted that a veteran he liked player that. who yeah he he was so excited to hear that. He's like he's like well he's like that Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, he knows he's won cups. They they know the grind. They know they know they're real good pros. They, they know what it takes to take it to the next level. I think Babcock had like, he had three like, res- roll those out. Like you could ask him anything. He's like, well, you know, he's a pro. And uh, obviously I'm just like, all right. Like we've heard that before. Like, thanks. Thanks for coming out. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. Thanks. Bike Mabcock or whatever you call him. <laughs> Bike Mabcock. Do you like that is that one? some Bike like Mabcock? burner Twitter account or something? No, I don't what know. I just, I, I just sort of called him Bike Mabcock once. Oh, okay. For well, so then it's like I'm just I'm just keeping it back. I'm just bringing it back. All right, let's get to our favorite segment of the show. Who's at the library bar? Tampa Bay Lightning all week, man. They've been just sitting pretty. The you know, so you see, so I think we have like different definitions of who's at the library bar. Like you're picking like people who are happy at the bar. <laughs> you're like, you're like, yeah, like the celebrities, like Tiff, Tiff is coming up. They're going to be, they're going to be enjoying yeah. Toronto. It's a great city. I'm like, dude, it's COVID. Like nobody's yeah, coming I know. to Toronto. I, I got it on mandatory two week quarantine. They're like, oh yeah, the whole Tampa Bay lightning squad. They've been sitting there for a week. Like they've been waiting for the aisles to finish up their series. They're ready. I'm sure to they go. bought it out. And they obviously they can, you know, they've been together for weeks. John Cooper was feeling good. Like, oh yeah, I I get what you're saying for me. Who's at the library bar is good. I'm going the opposite way. I'm going Alan Walsh. Oh yeah. Alan Walsh. He he's been drinking uncontrollably face off since he sent that tweet. And I'll tell you why, because since posting the tweet where he was pretty much backing, I'm sure everybody's seen it by this point where he was backing his client, Mark Andre Fleury, 
Robin Leonard has posted a 934 save percentage with three shutouts to close out the Canucks and make it to the Western Conference Finals. Unreal numbers. He's licking his chops. This is after he's hosing DeBoer for starting this guy. I mean, Jesus. Like those are <laughs> those are those are amazing yeah. numbers. It's like how can yeah. this this guy is going to be crushing Manhattans on the phone trying to find a trade partner that will take Mark Andre Fleury for equal value on a contending team because it seems like the writing's on the wall. I know we talked about Leonard being a popular a popular option for other organizations to try to target in free agency, but let's not like leave off the table that if he likes it in Vegas and they have a chance to win in Vegas and he thinks that's going to be a good opportunity. He's obviously had a chance to test out the market and see what he likes and what he doesn't like about it. They're going to have the first shot to bring this guy back and they're going to have the best opportunity. He already has the relationships in the locker room. I feel like it's a foregone conclusion at this point that the flower is probably out of Vegas and that he's probably going to get traded this off season. That would be fascinating and something you wouldn't even well, it's like, like you wouldn't even have picture started the playoffs. He's in year two of the extension they signed. He signed yep. a three-year deal at 7.5 AAV over the, well, like I said, the three years. So well, he would have signed it two years ago. And you weren't expecting. He was supposed to be the guy for the whole duration. Obviously, that relationship is getting a little bit frayed around the edges. And the Flower is a goalie who has multiple Stanley Cups. Um, people will make the argument that he wasn't, the primary goalie for all of those, but I would argue that he had an intricate part stepping in in a backup role to solidify games when the starter wasn't playing well in those cups. And who cares at the end of the day? It's like once you get your name etched into that silver, nobody can take that away from you. He's gonna no. he's gonna have rings on multiple fingers. And I think like people might argue with me on this, but I think uh, uh, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. By the time his career is all said and done, he's slowly, consistently chipping away at the all-time wins list. I think he's at, like, number seven or number eight all-time. Don't quote me on that because I don't know if I have the exact numbers in front of me. Yeah, he's been in the league for, like, 17 years. I think he was drafted in, like, 03. Yeah, he's had an outstanding career. And he, he's going to be a desirable piece that contending teams are looking to add. Like, why would you not want a goalie of Florida? You know he's a huge locker room guy as well. Like the players love him. He's just like it's a he's just an all around quality NHL guy. And the really the only blip on his record for me to this point is this tweet. Because when, uh, number five on the all time wins list, by the way. Right. Number five. So like obviously he's going to be going into the Hall of Fame. Um, the only blip on his resume for me is this tweet. Because we talked about it before. I mean, I think that the the player has to know if the agent's going to tweet out something like this. It doesn't just and it was out up for blue. yeah, it was like hours. it was up for like a day, a day. Like, yeah, man, it's like man, like I think it was taken down. Like it, the the guy posted it on like a Saturday night, and it was taken down on Sunday morning. And but like, that's man, like it's like that's right. the sort of thing that if it's up there and you don't want it there as the player, you're getting on the phone and being like, take that down right now. And you're within not, like, minutes in that position. Yeah, within yeah like, come on it's like you're not telling me that this guy's phone wasn't blowing up immediately no i see it's like it's like he was well aware of what was going on and he can do the press conference after saying oh yeah you know he's just trying to stand up for me as this guy and just say some bs yeah yeah it's like it's like yeah well you're nobody's buying it dude it's like obviously you're pissed off because you thought you were going to be the guy they trade for a guy at the deadline 
who is now coming in and stolen your thunder as being the number one goaltender and is probably going to be the guy barring some sort of monumental collapse here in the first two games of the series against the stars. Like Flurry's probably not going to sniff the net uh, barring that or an injury. Got anything to say or <laughs> just going to leave it there? That's all I got to say on that, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, you just pulled the Jeff O'Neill. I was just like, like I just like let you in, and you're just like, yeah, I got, I got enough. No, you're right. Like I, I, I agree. Like I don't like, it's, it's like in Tampa, man. Barring any injury, like I don't, I don't see him between the pipes. And obviously, the tweet caused a lot of ruckus. Yeah. And yeah, ah. it's just like when you look at the flower, it's just like, you know, like, like uh, all time wins. Brodeur number one, Wah number two, Luongo number three, Belfour number four. All Canadian goaltenders, thank you very much. And then it's a uh, flurry who's just ahead of Henrik Lundqvist. And you feel like that's going to stay consistent because he's just a couple of years younger and Hank probably entering, if not the last year of his career, uh, the last year as making any sort of run as being a starter. So a really impressive career from flurry from the flower, from the flower, the flower. All right. I think uh, we probably like, we went like, decently long here yeah Dude, was, did you get any little... responses from the adam driver comparison uh, no i think <laughs> i think confirms the facts that i don't look that much like adam driver maybe because I, I posted a... that i posted a pic on instagram and like people were like wow and really? i'm like i know like i mean i got i got responses from it i was like i know, I know. well nobody was sliding into my dms about it. <laughs> did you tag me in the picture or what is that the whole yeah i did hey dukes at K Dukes on Instagram. Yeah, I'm, I'm bad on Instagram though. Like I, I'm on Twitter a lot, but like Instagram, I, I try to stay away from it because you get into that like scrolling hole where you're just oh, yeah, I know. down the timeline or like I know. even worse is than that is the story hole when you fire, you know, you follow you just like, 800 people and then you got 200 people posting stories. Like I'm like, I could care less about what you're having for lunch. Honestly. Like, like <laughs> great. You're going worst. to, yeah, you're going to uh, some upscale spot downtown once again. Yeah. Let me take take a picture of your ninety dollar dish. Yeah, ninety dollar eggs Benedict. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> like yeah. like I'll pass. Yeah. Uh, so bite. Uh, in other news, we'll have to get some beers out to our boy out uh, out west, the state of Hoppy. I got a job in a new brewery in eastern Toronto. Huge, huge move. Huge. The COVID hire got hired at a brewery. It's called Radical Road Brewery in the East End. So if anybody lives in Toronto, feel free to come and pay me a visit. Check it out. Really I will be lot, there. like nice craft beers. Yeah. Maybe that's a, that's a, what our new segment should be. Who's at the radical road. <laughs> yeah. All right. Instead of who's at, who's at the library bar. Maybe I can uh, swing them into some sort of sponsorship deal here. I don't know if we should uh, be pushing it too hard. Isha might be a little bit upset with us. That would be big. It would, be, would big. be big. What, yeah, what do they have on tap? Like what are their, what are their go-tos? Oh, uh, they got like, they got a little bit of everything, man. Like they have like yeah. a nice, just like regular beer, which nice. they call like the beer beer. Which is like, it's like, yeah, it's like, if you just want a beer, like, yeah, we got one for you. Uh, they have a cucumber <laughs> mint Kolsch, which is like good, super refreshing, like really good in that aspect. They have like a, a they love the yuzu there, which I guess is like a mm. type of Japanese citrus. Nice. So they do like a yuzu pale ale, which is like really good, super light, refreshing, like citrusy, perfect, like patio summer beer. Uh, nice. And they, they like love nail it. the sours too. They have like a grapefruit mango sour, uh, key lime i don't even know how to pronounce it it's like a key lime goes key lime goes a it's like the one that they brew with like a little bit of salt water 
Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I look forward it. to paying a visit. Yeah, it's a dope spot. You'll have to come by and check us out. Park up at the bar. Follow us uh, on Twitter at McCarthy 95 at Ken Stapon, at, I always screw this one up, at the Hockey Pod Net, at Hockey Pod Net. Hockey Pod at Hockey Pod Net. Thanks for listening to this episode of Not Another Leafs Podcast, episodes weekly on the Hockey Podcast Network. Take care. Thanks for listening.